0: Welcome, welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast.
1: A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture.
0: Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question,
1: does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood?
0: My name is Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: And today we are looking at Splash. The 1984 movie starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Before we get into it, a few things. Number one, we don't really say this when we do TV shows, but I will for the movies. We're going to spoil this. I mean, yes. not, not just with ruining your childhood, possibly, but we're going to give spoilers.
1: If, if it's been 38 years and you haven't seen Splash you're probably not in a hurry to do so.
0: I love this fast math. Or if you haven't seen it in a long time, um, our website is stopruiningmychildhood.com. We have a blog on there. Um, Watch with us. And there are links. This movie is available on Disney+. And the sequel is available on VO for free. And the links for both of those will be on our website. So you can check that out. So if you haven't seen it in a while and you have Disney+, Plus, pause us Go watch it. Don't have everything spoiled. Right. And then
1: you can return and listen to our amazing, thought provoking uh, reviews and recaps.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So we have kind of a cycle of reviewing things. We look at a cartoon and then a live action TV show and then a movie. So we were at the end of that cycle. Last time we talked about Manimal, the uh, 1983 tv show live action this week we're doing splash and then next week we're going to be looking at alvin and the chipmunks the classic 80s cartoons that's mm-hmm. what's coming up so before we get into our summary of the movie and some of the history and fun facts and our memories and all of that we are going to have a nostalgic snack so what do we have today
1: today's non-sponsoring nostalgic sack <laughs> is swedish fish
0: To go with our ocean theme. To go
1: with our ocean theme. It is a fat-free food.
0: It is. And it's gluten-free as well. It
1: is neither Swedish nor fish.
0: It actually is. So this is, um, you can try it. I'll tell the people about it. Uh, This is made originally by the Malico company in Sweden. Now, they have since distributed it through either Turkey or Canada for the U.S. But originally it came out in the 1950s. They have like these Swedish gummy company, you know, a candy company that was making gummies, and it kind of exploded in the U.S. And my my guess is that around this time in the 1950s, we have a lot of movie theaters, particularly drive in movies. And convenience stores popping up as the highway system became better. And so they tried to get it in like every movie theater, every convenience store. So wildly popular in the U.S. and in Sweden, like they like it OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is gluten free. It's not sugar free. It's pretty much corn, corn syrup, sugar, more sugar.
1: Yeah, it, the, it, the it,
0: flavoring... Go ahead. Technically,
1: it should be Canadian fish, then, if it's coming from Canada. Yeah, our bag is from Turkey. Or if it's Turkey, then would you would you say it's Turkish Delight?
0: It is Turkish Delight, <laughs> yeah. The flavor is interesting. So these are, if you haven't had them in a while, like we have it, gummy red fish. The flavoring is sometimes said to be possibly lingonberry, which is popular in Sweden, because it's not quite cherry. Yeah. am not strawberry. Some people also have guessed black currant.
1: It's a fruity, berry-ish taste.
0: It tastes like Fruity Pebbles, kind of, but in a waxy, gummy form. Yeah. Yeah, that vague kind of fruit flavor that a lot of candy just kind of is vaguely, like, it's red. That's the flavor. It's
1: not fish-flavored.
0: No, it's not fish-flavored, thankfully. Goodness. Um, yeah, so we rate the snack one out of five. We rate the movie one out of ten. Um... What should we do for our one rating today? One out of today? five
1: fishtails.
0: Fishtails for Swedish Fish? Okay. Because
1: we have a mermaid theme.
0: We do have a mermaid theme today. And both today.
1: the Swedish Fish and the Mermaid have fishtails.
0: All right. So fish tails. one out of five.
1: What do you give Swedish Fish? Swedish thing? Fish? Oh, five fish tails. I love Swedish Fish. Swedish Fish are amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like this too. I think I'm going to give it a five as well. I I will say, if you are trying to cut back on sugar, don't eat these, because that's pretty much all that's in there. But I'll give you one more. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, And I'll set mine aside. I do... I went through a period when I first became gluten-free, and I realized I had celiacs. I also... Now I have a little bit of dairy. Some would say too much, but <laughs> I cut dairy and, and also gluten, and so this was... At the time, there weren't a lot of gluten-free foods out there, so this was one of the only things I could eat, and I started carrying around, like, bags of Swedish fish, so (laughs) since that point, that was probably, like, 10 years, 12 years ago, and I haven't had any since then, so this is a delight. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Okay, so let's just do a brief overview of Splash, so when, when we do our full recap, we can kind of dig into it.
1: Sure. Well, Splash is a story that starts off in 1964 with eight-year-old Alan Bauer, who is on a trip out to Cape Cod with his family, and he thinks he sees something in the water on a ferry boat ride, so he jumps overboard, finds out that he can breathe underwater because he sees a child mermaid as well but before he can really be sure he's rescued out of the water um, and pulled up and then we and
0: she cries
1: And The Mermaid Girl Cries, yes. And then we fast forward to 1984, which is present day at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And an adult, Alan Bauer, who's played by Tom Hanks, is now in the vegetable fruit wholesale business, which he runs with his brother, Freddie, who's played by John Candy, amazing actor. And we kind of see his everyday life going. He's a very hard worker, dedicated.
0: Not so much his brother, by the way. His brother, no, his brother is a gambling,
1: womanizing kind of goof a bit yeah and so anyway through a, a series of events basically he goes out to cape cod depressed from his breakup and falls overboard in a small boat Is injured and is rescued by an adult mermaid, the same mermaid, this time played by Daryl Hannah. She rescues him, brings him out to the beach. He sees her, she runs off into the water, and then she ends up finding his wallet where she rescued him, and she is able to use that to track him to New York.
0: Yeah, she looks at underwater pirate maps to figure out where New York is. Yeah, we're going to get to
1: that. She, Sorry, she, too she many details. At, she looks at things. Anyway, she tracks him to New York, where they end up getting together. And it's very fish-out-of-water story. <laughs> it, it, no pun intended. Steve, no. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, it goes through a bunch of funny things of her getting used to the being on land and to culture, society, all this kind of thing. Um, learning English, stuff like that. Then they jumps into a period where her and Alan are having a bit of a rough patch mm-hmm. because she, he knows she has some sort of a secret and she's not ready to tell him.
0: Well, she says she has to leave in six days, right. and he asks her to marry him, and she's like, "I can't."
1: Right, yeah, right, and that causes a rift. Then they reunite just in time for her to be exposed as a mermaid. She's captured, so scientists start doing experiments on her because Eugene
0: Levy's been tailing them. Yes, the, <laughs> That's the another an- bad. The antagonist
1: fun. in this is Dr. Cornbluth, mm-hmm. who is played by the hysterical Eugene Levy. A very young Eugene Levy. Yeah. He ends up exposing her and then he even loses control. Other scientists take over. And in the end, he redeems himself by helping John Candy and Tom Hanks or Alan and Freddy sneak into the scientific holding place and then help her escape. And then Alan and her end up jumping into the ocean together and they swim off down through the ocean because he can breathe when he's swimming with her and she takes him to back to her underwater city
0: which we're going to we're going to get to that point yeah. exactly too but basically she tells him you can't ever go back
1: right but he so. makes that sacrifice because he's She's the only person he's ever been in love with.
0: Yeah, because before he thought he couldn't... He didn't have it in him to love. And so yes. he finds love. And then Rita Coolidge's song, Love Came For Me, plays as they swim through the yeah, ocean together. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the history of this movie... I say this a lot. I use that In editing this show, I'm like, oh, I say interesting way too much. But I do find it so interesting.
1: Fascinating. So,
0: fascinating. Alluring, but no. <laughs> um, so... This is a movie that was conceived by Brian Grazer. If you don't know who he is, he's a a producer and writer. He's had over 198 Emmy nominations and 43 Academy Award nominations. And um, a, a very, very impressive resume. So he had this idea for a movie. And when they finally wrote the script... It was a Disney property and Disney was like, you know, they'd been doing a lot of kids movies. Now, we talked before about like the Disney Renaissance in terms of animated films, but that hadn't happened yet. And in terms of live action films, they wanted to do things that were not just for kids. Mm -hmm. Basically, they wanted to push the envelope a little bit. This is a story about a guy who falls in love with a woman. They have relations. They're not married, right? That's a big part of it, and it's a romance. There was originally, and there's not now. We'll talk about why in a minute. But originally, there is a little bit of nudity, um, a little bit of um, swearing. So they developed a branch called Touchstone. So this is the first Touchstone film for um, kind of under the Disney umbrella, but without the Disney name on it. So at one point, he whistles, uh, or he's singing Whistle While You Work, Yes, right? To kind of have like that nod that, yes, this is a Disney movie. To me, that's kind of interesting that they were like, you know, we need to have more room to breathe. Like, we don't Mm want to be just hemmed into stories for kids. And I think... I know as a kid I loved this movie, but it isn't really a kid's movie. Right? I mean, it's sort of family-friendly. It's also interesting to me that this movie is PG. Now, I think the reason for that rating is that PG-13 wasn't designated until later on in 1984. So this movie came out, like, literally a couple months before that designation. So if you've ever seen movies in this weird, like late 70s early 80s era where they have the rating system but not PG-13 yet. Mm-hmm. Some of the PG stuff is is kind of questionable yes. <laughs> and a little bit edgy. So that to me is kind of interesting, but Ron Howard wanted to be attached to this. He turned down Footloose in order to direct this film and also Mr. Mom, which I think is kind of a forgotten movie now, but it starred Michael Keaton who was very was big a at the time. Movie. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see sometime <laughs> we we'll visit it, see if it holds up, but he really wanted to be attached to this. And I think you can see those Ron Howard touches throughout the film. Um, a lot of his family members are in it. And originally, so before they cast Tom Hanks, they went through a number of people. They looked at Steve Gutenberg, but then also he got Police Academy around the same time, okay. but I could kind of see him in it, but they also talked to John Travolta Who turned it down and I don't see that at all. I can't like I can't picture him in this well, role. Well, they were
1: definitely going for a look because Tom Hanks, Steve Gutenberg, and They're Jackson all our are, yeah. are tall, skinny, dark haired. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say they also talked to Bill Murray. They mm-hmm. talked Dudley Moore is a little bit on the shorter side, but kind of like a similar mm-hmm. in terms of like coloring and stuff. And they also asked Diane Lane to play Madison, which I don't see that <laughs> I w- happening. I wouldn't like that one. She's so serious. She
1: is. Yeah. yeah.
0: And she was she was set to do the cotton club, so she couldn't do it. Also in kind of an interesting cast thing is that John Candy wanted to be the antagonist, Walter Cornbluth, but then Ron Howard really wanted him to be Tom Hanks' brother based on their chemistry together, mm-hmm. and so John Candy agreed to play Freddie, but then suggested Eugene Levy, who they'd been in- together on SCTV, right? Which is kind of like if you don't know the Canadian version of Saturday Night Live is the best <laughs> way I can explain that. Yeah. So those are some of the things I thought was kind of interesting in terms of casting. They filmed this a little bit in los angeles on stages but then for a number of weeks they filmed in new york which you can tell throughout the movie it, they, it's different today a lot of times they filmed toronto for new york and it doesn't look the same mm-hmm. um, but this is definitely shot in new york and then they did the underwater scenes in the bahamas oh nice and daryl hannah's tail weighed 35 pounds wow she wanted to keep it afterwards i guess <laughs> but she talked about how Like, she couldn't eat with the crew if she was in the tail, because she didn't want to have to, like, undo all the makeup and take off the tail to go to the bathroom, so they would, like, take her up with, like, a crane, which they do have in the movie, and I guess they used in real life okay. uh, while shooting and they'd kind of like plop her next to the cast and crew while they had lunch Ugh. and she's like i would just be there shivering with barnacles in my hair <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny but it was a neat story of how the movie was made and it seemed like one of these things that is just like kind of lightening a bottle like just a great director a great writer, uh, an actor who... This is his first big thing, right? Um, he'd done Mazes and Monsters, Tom Hanks, but this is his really first big movie. Um
1: well, is before or after Bosom Buddies?
0: It's after Bosom Buddies?
1: So he was a TV show guy, but not necessarily so, movies. So,
0: yeah, and I, we have to watch Bosom Buddies at some point. So Bosom Buddies is 80 to 82. Then Mazes and Monsters comes out in 1982. Then from 82 to 84, he does, like guest appearances like he does like a couple episodes of a lot of of a number of different shows like he did like family ties for like three or four episodes like those kind of shows interestingly because that's what you do when you're trying to make it Mm -hmm. right um and then this movie which was a huge hit and then he does another movie with John Candy, and and really, if you look at Tom Hanks' resume since 1984, he's done at least one movie every year, sometimes two or three. Right. So, um, same thing for Daryl Hannah. This is before *Clan of the Cave Bear*. And for John Candy, he was kind of here a breakout star as well. So, um, and then they had, which I'm going to tell you, I, I did I did link it on the blog. They had a made-for-TV sequel called splash two not the number but t-o-o okay like as if to be like splash also like we this isn't exactly a sequel but it's also splash right and that starred amy yazbek and todd waring and donovan scott and essentially i will tell you i watched about 40 minutes of it it's very slow It's very dull. The idea is that um, she, Madison realizes that as long as she can soak her legs in salt water on a full moon, they can go back. Okay. So they go back and Freddie's gotten him a house, but the business is in trouble. And that's why they're returning. She realizes she has magic where she can create a portal in the water to see Freddy. Oh boy. Yeah. And then it's basically like a very long episode of Bewitched. Like, oh no, the neighbors are spying on us. They might know that I have a fishtail. And then there's kind of like a dolphin named Salty that they want to save. I don't even know. Mm. But I can tell you it's they're basically trying to do impre- Todd Waring is trying to do an impression of Tom Hanks through the whole movie right. and it and it was done in 1988 but disney did this in the in the later 80s they also had parent trap 2 and parent trap 3 and
1: yeah, were they straight straight to video kind no, of thing no they things? weren't
0: even video they were on i think it was because they were trying to break into like the made for tv market was this around the
1: time they started starting to begin the disney channel i wonder
0: it might have been okay. yeah so they were trying to like make more put movies to on, put yeah. the disney channel yeah so it's an interesting if you love splash check out splash 2 or don't or don't it's awful. if you love
1: splash <laughs> it's awful. so the reception for splash was actually really really good back in 1984 um splash uh, cost $11 million to make, mm-hmm. and it made $69 million it grossed the, the uh, at the end of its box office That's run. That's
0: really good for a it's comedy. It's pretty good.
1: It actually ended as the 10th highest grossing film of
0: 1984.
1: Oh, okay. Um, it has a 91% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and... It really got good reviews from most critics who thought it, that it was well done, they thought there was good chemistry, and that the story was good. Interestingly enough, one of the only bad reviews it got was from Roger Ebert, who gave it a 1.5 out of 4 stars. <laughs> and Roger Ebert said that the problem with Splash was the casting of the relatively unknown Tom Hanks what? as as Alan Bauer. He, Roger Ebert believed <laughs> that if... John Candy had been cast as Alan, and then wait for it, and then Tom Hanks as the brother, it would have been better because it, he said the audience would have connected more with the, like this kind of goofy, heavy guy mm. that this mermaid drops into his lap.
0: Okay. I can kind of, I can understand then where he's going.
1: And also John Candy already had comedy creds at the time.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I heard about Roger Ebert that I never forgot was that he was a critic for a reason, and he, the only movie he ever wrote was Return to Valley of the Dolls, which is one of the worst <laughs> movies of all time, and I felt like, yeah, um, so, you know, we, we sometimes take him, and we sometimes leave him, depending, yeah. so we'll see if we agree with yeah. him when we do our full recap.
1: Um, interestingly enough, also, *It Splash was nominated for an Academy Award. Yep. It was also nominated- Best
0: Screenplay, Best right? Screenplay. Mm-hmm.
1: It was also nominated for Golden Globe mm. uh, for Best Motion Picture. And then it won a Saturn Award. Daryl Hannah won it for Best Actress. Saturn Awards, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like the Academy Awards for science fiction and fantasy movies. Mm, And she won Best Actress for Splash that year.
0: That's that's interesting (laughs) and i won't say why until we get into our full thing so let's take a break here that was a little bit of a summary and some history of splash we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to do talk about some of our memories of this movie and then we'll do our full review and recap this podcast is supported by its creators
1: and listeners like you
0: Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com.
1: There you can find links to our social media.
0: And this very podcast you're currently listening to.
1: Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page.
0: And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast.
1: And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well.
0: We also post bonus content about once a month.
1: So like, subscribe, and follow.
0: For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we're back. My name is Megan. I'm Steve. And let's talk about our memories of Splash. What you, did you see this movie in the theater?
1: I did not see this in the theater. I believe, I mean, 1984, I would have been seven. Seven. Right, so it's not probably a movie I would have gone to the theaters like with my parents or something. But I recall, I remember seeing it on HBO. I was just gonna which say. would have been probably later that year.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. HBO was had already begun. And it was really in its like golden age because mm-hmm. there was no other competition. There was no Showtime, no Cinemax, nothing of that nature. Right. So HBO was cranking out movies as they left the cinema, and um, I remember seeing Splash on HBO and I believe I saw it a number of times because the thing about HBO too is they you know they would show it repet- repeatedly when it came on and so yeah I I recall have seeing it I haven't seen it probably in about 25 years but but I do remember seeing it and I have good memories I remember it being interesting I remember it and we'll talk about this I guess in, you know in, in, during the recap we can things. talk
0: about it now because it comes up in my memories as well
1: yeah I, well I recall I, one of the things I remember as a seven-year-old boy was the fact you could see your butt And Daryl Hannah, let's be honest, Daryl Hannah is a knockout in this movie. She's gorgeous. And to a seven-year-old boy especially, I was like, whoa. Which is
0: probably also why the Disney Plus Network has decided to edit it a little bit. Yes,
1: they they decided to give her 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 CGI hair hair extensions that cover her butt.
0: So my memories of this, my brother and I, we used to try to decide what movies we both liked. Okay, and especially for New Year's Eve. Um, A lot of times, especially when I was like starting in maybe fifth grade, I would babysit him. He's four years younger than me. So we would try to stay up on New Year's Eve and we would always pick movies to watch together. And one of those is um, Three Amigos, which I have not seen since then. And we're going to watch that in a couple weeks. Okay. But we for many years, we would have what we called a Tom Hanks festival. And we would do we had Splash. We had it home on VHS. And we also had Big. And then sometimes we would, at Blockbuster, we would rent Turner and Hooch, and sometimes also The Burbs. And we would like legitimately watch like four movies in a row. Mm-hmm. My parents would be like, down the street, or um, later on, like elsewhere in town, maybe at a New Year's party, and my brother and I would we would have like a feast, <laughs> like candy and popcorn and snacks, and we would watch like four, three or four Tom Hanks movies in a row. And I just remember just loving this movie. I really like romantic comedies, but the last time that I watched this movie, I was a sophomore in college and i had it on vhs i when i went to college i took a bunch of videotapes with me um because i was i'm a movie nerd i was babysitting for a five-year-old girl and her baby brother Mm -hmm. and i thought oh We're going to be there for a long time. Her parents are okay if she watches like a movie sometimes, right? And I thought, oh, she really likes mermaids. She's five. Like her whole bedroom was decorated in mermaids. So I start this movie and then I go to make her dinner. And it's an open concept. I don't know if you can picture this, but it's an open concept. She's, like, sitting on the couch. The TV is there. I can kind of see it from the kitchen. I can definitely see her. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, stirring the, you know, the chicken I'm making her. And she goes, that lady's naked! <laughs> and I was like, oh, no! Because... I hadn't seen it at that point. I probably hadn't seen it in 10 years. I totally forgot that there was nudity. So then I'm like running into the living room and I'm like, oh, that's not a movie we're going to watch. Like I forgot. I also am like now watching it this time, thankfully. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't just fast forward to that part because they do have sex in this movie as well. It's not a movie for little kids at all. So my 20-year-old brain, I just like sort of... I remembered liking it as a kid and thought it was a kid's movie and it's just yes. not it's just not so. Although
1: the sex is done classy because it's there's a lot of kissing yeah. but the sex is is implied well
0: the disney plus version but i think that i i'm not gonna say they didn't show nudity or anything but i think they show them rolling around a little bit more than they do in the version in in this version okay from what i can remember like but again that might just be member berries you know like i might not be remembering it correctly but yeah those are my two memories of this movie are watching it with my brother in in a tom hanks fest for New Year's, but also very inappropriately showing it to a five year old child. <laughs> Horrifying. And I, I don't remember whether or not I babysat for her again, but if I didn't, that would have been obviously the reason. Right. So let's start with the beginning. Just I will say the opening scene is in 1964, right? As you right. said. So it's 20 years ahead of time. I forgot that they did this in sepia tones. It's not black and white. It's done in like sepia, like the brown cream.
1: So it looks faded.
0: It's a really interesting Mm -hmm. choice. I also love, this was the first time I heard the song Wooly Bully, and I love it. I love (laughs) it so much. My my parents were of the idea that um, whoever drove controlled the radio. So I really grew up with oldies music as opposed to eighties music. But I, for whatever reason, had not... Before I watched this movie, I had never heard that song before, and I remember loving it. So this is the point, we didn't mention this in the history fun fact section, but there's talk of doing a remake of Splash. And at one point, Channing Tatum was attached to it, and they were going to do gender swap. So it was the merman who meets up with a girl, Mm -hmm. right? My question when that came up, because I do remember this very distinctly, was, Who's going to play Freddy and what is the equivalent of what he does in this movie to try to pick up women?
1: First off, I'm so thankful they didn't make that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But
0: Freddy drops change and looks up people's skirts. Yes. And he does this as a 12-year-old kid and then he also still does it as an adult. Yeah. And I was like, if you have a female in that part...
1: Obviously, you can't go that way. You can't go that way. You have to go like a girl who's like a little bit of a troublemaker or doing pranks or, you know, tying people's shoelaces together or something of that Well, nature.
0: also, even if you had it still be a brother, you cannot, you can't do that today. You can't have a guy trying to, like, I think the equivalent is, like, upskirt photos with his phone. You can't have right. a guy try to do that. Right. And still have him be a likable character. So, yeah, the low-key sexual harassment. Um, well,
1: at that point, you're like, boys will be boys because he's, like, eight, he's, he's like 9 or 10.
0: I'm talking I'm, about when they come back but, and he's 40.
1: But then when it comes back in present day, he's still trying that trick
0: yeah um but i liked i i really liked they got somebody who really to me kind of looked like a young daryl hannah looked like a young tom hanks i checked to see if it was the same kid from big it's not but they did have like Yes, had a good resemblance then we come into we come into the day-to-day life in new york with the produce company what were some of your highlights there in that section
1: um you know just i think you know, it was interesting that because they they get you to like Alan's character mm-hmm. um, very quickly because you can see that not only is he diligent worker, he's he's overworked. He's dealing with like a custo- two customers. He's dealing with products. He's dealing with this that, but also like he knows all the staff's names. They all know him. Yeah, he's he's an usher in one of the pe- his employees' weddings coming up, right? Mm-hmm. So he's very well liked by the people and by the 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 employees at the company, which helps you kind of like. Him, especially when they bring Freddy in, who comes whipping in in a Corvette, right? You find out very quickly that Freddy has they're in a bad deal because Freddy lost poker and basically promised the guy his stakes was that they would buy off buy these terrible cherries off of him. So he has no business sense from what you can see. He is pretty much the opposite of Tom Hanks' Allen character.
0: Yeah, and I will say two things about this. Number one, you're right. First, Tom Hanks is so likable, but they do a great job with the writing here. They're not info-dumping. They're no. showing you his life without just saying, oh, and I run a thing, and I, have, I always have this crazy brother. So I really enjoyed the way that they laid out this exposition. Yeah. I also think... That, you know, he is likable, but he's just... Tom Hanks now does so much drama, we forget. His comedic timing is lovely. And he gets angry in this very Tom Hanks way where his voice starts going up and he's like, I'm Freddy, and he's like very frazzled. Yes, But it is hilarious at the same time. I also love John Candy rolls up, not just in a Corvette, but he is in a full velvet jacket, like a like Hugh Hefner would have. Yeah, like
1: a velvet blazer. Yes. With
0: a a silk kind of scarf and his shirt open and a silk pocket square and a silk pocket square and he looks like he's trying to be Hugh Hefner,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they never mention anything about his weight. There no. are no fat jokes at all. This is just this guy is a rich playboy and the fact that he's probably about 100 pounds overweight never comes up. No. And I think that that's to me, especially being somebody who is curvier and larger, that was very refreshing because I think that they would try to play that. Yeah. And it's just he brought a date and, to his own wedding. Like yes. that's the kind and of thing. Yes.
1: With John Candy's charisma, he was able to play it off oh, like yeah. he's trying to pick up every woman he comes across and he has no confidence issues. Nope. Like he doesn't even he doesn't even think about the fact of what he looks like. And they're right? into
0: him. Yeah. Until he does pick up some ladies later yeah. on, and they're like laughing and flirting and having a good time because he's just like that kind of easygoing guy. You
1: know, now the, the fun loving piece of him, sometimes you can set you can attribute character similarities to the actor, things like that. But I think the fun loving aspect of Freddie in this movie reminded me a little bit of the character John Candy plays in Brewster's Millions, mm. where he's the sidekick to Richard Pryor. Yeah.
0: But he and Tom Hanks have such great chemistry and they do. They really do seem like brothers. They really do. And I think that their chemistry is the reason that they do volunteers the following year together. Yes. But <laughs> I don't I don't think that movie holds up as well. I have seen it. The writing kind of is it's a mishmash. Mm-hmm. But they're so great together. And you know, it's so sad that we lost John Candy early on because I think they might have done more more things together and, and it would have been great.
1: I mean John Candy's been gone for twenty eight years now. He died in yeah. nineteen ninety four, which means he died only ten years ago years after this movie
0: that's insane which when I look at
1: this movie I go oh this is one of John Kennedy's really early works he only kept doing movies for 10 years before his death so Mm. it's been almost three times as long that he's been gone
0: that makes me so sad but it also shows how much his work holds up
1: because his work is still shown over and over again in comedies and family movies and I mean it's just it's iconic
0: yeah it really is and um, and then we have the the almost equally iconic Eugene Levy, who comes in. <laughs> We're introduced to Eugene Levy. Tom Hanks is kind of mystified walking on the beach. He's got this hangover. He's on the wrong side of the island because he, when he was drunk, he told the cab driver the wrong side. Right. And he comes up to Eugene Levy and he goes, is there anybody else here who could help me? And Eugene Levy goes, no, it's just me and the moron twins. And then this guy goes, we're not twins. And the other one goes, oh, like mm-hmm. that. And it's just such a good line. It's such a good line. And it sets up the three characters so well that this is an angsty scientist who's on edge and not friendly at all and then these two guys who are like we don't really know what we're doing we're just here to be the the do the heavy lifting and we also i should mention too as another small character the secretary who works for freddie and 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 Alan. alan yes she is so funny and adds such a a kooky twist to this guy's life that this she's been hit by lightning
1: recently yeah and she has memory problems she gives at she tells them that she got they have a message from their dad and their dad's been dead for five years right and
0: then later on she's wearing her bra outside of her clothing yes which i don't
1: and she's like 80 <laughs> yeah, yeah she's
0: yes she, so but again shows his kindness right mm. finally we have madison and i think they have two That clip of them at Cape Cod when they're younger, because we don't see the mermaid for another like 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Right. It's very similar when we talked about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? That they had the the cartoon at the beginning because then we don't see Roger again for like 20 minutes or so. They have these great Daryl Hannah underwater, these great scenes that they filmed in the Bahamas. It's gorgeous. It's just really gorgeous underwater filming
1: it's phenomenal but i did find myself well, especially in some of the scenes where she's at the end where the two of them are together underwater mm-hmm. and they're swimming through and i'm going yeah that's like the bahamas it's that's not that's be. not off the coast of manhattan it's
0: like there's not
1: coral reefs and all that aquatic land. like like they should be swimming past like dead cars bodies. dead bodies right Three headed fish in the Hudson, grocery, things of that nature. Grocery
0: carts. Yes. I don't know. You know, we live. I lived by the Erie Canal growing up, and whenever they drain it, there's tons of grocery carts in it. And I always am like, how did those get in there? <laughs> but I have to imagine that a few of them make their way out into the Hudson yeah. and maybe into the the river. Yeah, but they are really beautiful shots. And then we have her coming up naked in front of the Statue of Liberty. And, and, of course,
1: and of course, the, in the middle of a tour that's going on, and the poor park ranger that's giving the tour of the Statue of Liberty is repeating the same thing over and over, and then he's like, yes, and this is was given to us by the French and the naked lady, <laughs> yeah. and he's like looking and then everyone tries to run over to the naked. What's
0: hilarious, the tour guide, I think like many tour guides just have this script and he just doesn't know what to do, so he keeps
1: he keeps trying the to script. do that he keeps trying to do the script in yes. the
0: background which just made me laugh so much so yeah we do have as steve said uh kind of pun intended i guess a fish out of water story because when she arrives she's like very much she's never been on land before she's yeah. never been
1: um, let's not gloss over a big loophole here okay or the big plot hole, is it is
0: she had his wallet
1: yeah she had his wallet which is had his license in it, and she was able which said New York and she was able to go into a pirate ship and pull out old aquatic maps that showed New York and how to get there. But my bigger question is, where'd she learn to read English?
0: It's just yeah, she just looked at the symbols and matched them up. Mm. And N is an N and Y is a Y. I don't know. That's like
1: saying, Yeah, I just looked at the hieroglyphics and matched well, it. Well, you
0: know, I could understand English is both an oral language and a written language, and obviously, her name is <laughs> e- e- <aw. laughs> but right. but we don't know whether that's their kind of interpolation. Maybe they maybe they write in English. That, down all I in could think of was Atlantis, or As i was watching from. this,
1: all I could think of is she can't read that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's your adult that's your adult lens. I feel like kind of just go with that, I guess, but. What are some of your highlights from what, the part where she's a fish out of water, where they're kind of, they're falling in love?
1: Yeah, it's there's fun things. You know, there's, you know, when she first steps into a revolving door and mm-hmm. spins all the way back outside because she doesn't know how it works, and he has to tend to teach her that. She, she learns how to read, how to speak English from watching TV for like six hours at Bloomingdale's. That was an interesting piece as well. When she says her name and it's like these high-pitched like dolphin or whale sounds and it breaks the TV glasses. <laughs> I
0: love what she's watching on TV too, because I, I don't know if you remember the crazy Eddie commercials, but, or commercials like that, right. right. That were so loud and like, come down to crazy Eddie's. We got mattresses. Yeah. Like she, but she's also doing aerobics with Richard Simmons. She's doing sweating to the oldies, which I just thought was hysterically funny. There's one line in Bloomingdale's where this woman comes up to her and she goes, "Oh, you can wear anything. You're like my daughter. She's so lucky. She's anorexic."
1: Yeah. It
0: again is like, uh, I hate, I hate that joke. Um, as somebody who had to overcome eating disorders, like, but it it does show again that this is this is not a kid's movie, right? right? They, these are adult jokes. They also Tom Hanks comes out looking for her when she's at Bloomingdale's. He comes home, she's not there. And there's this throwaway line where he goes up to the doorman and he goes, Timmy, I'm looking for a girl. And Timmy goes, Two hundred bucks.
1: Yeah. The doorman, yes. <laughs> and
0: you're like, oh my god. You're like, oh, okay that joke is so off color. Yes. There's also some jokes that Freddie has about writing letters to Penthouse. <laughs> like
1: Yeah, he got published he in, got, in, in Penthouse for Penthouse Forum. Yeah, sure.
0: for a fake letter that he yeah. wrote in. But I think that the TV scene is pretty it's it's hilarious also that she runs up she's then they're walking through the streets of New York and she's like what's that what's that and she goes up to this blinking walk sign and she goes pretty yeah. and he's like i guess so it's just sort of nice it, I think it's supposed to be showing that he is a nice guy. But being from New York, sometimes in a city like that, you can become jaded and you don't mm. see the beauty around you. So it's it's so nice to have, like, she's looking at this world from a totally fresh perspective. Right. And then we come to the name.
1: Yeah, she she gets to choose her own name. Here's
0: my issue with the name. <laughs> this is This movie is the reason that I have, at the moment three madisons and an addison in my classroom <laughs> just one of my classes
1: well it's maddie, hilarious. maddie maddie
0: maddie and add well, what's
1: hilarious is it obviously must not have been very popular at the time because she sees madison avenue sign and says i like madison and he says madison's not a name
0: yeah and then Which he just that's, her keyboard. and it. in 84 it's a huge joke right and at the time i mean it's the name of a president and then a street named mm-hmm. after the president and um it wasn't really on the radar and then by 1990, it was, like, number 216. Yeah. And then by, like, 2000, I think eight, it was, like, the number one name. And I have to be honest. Here's how I see this. It's 1984, and there's these girls in a movie theater, and Tish looks at Tiffany, and Tiffany looks at Heather, and Heather looks at Brittany, and they're like, I'm going to name my daughter that. And they're, yeah. like, shopping their gum. But I have to say, too, oh, man, if I had met you, like, 10 15 years earlier we might have also ended up with a Charlie Madison oh because I loved this movie so much and I would have been right there with Tish and Amber and Tiffany and Heather and Britney <laughs> and all those 80s girls with their their ponytails chomping their gum. That's just how I always picture this this to be because it, it the name blew up and it was 100% because of this movie. Yeah. Kind of like Wendy with Peter Pan, right? Okay, like, yeah. Wendy's a name, but Wendy really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is a name he made up for Peter Pan. So, um, not totally unprecedented, but just kind of funny to me.
1: So, what was your favorite part about the falling in love piece? Once they're together and they're kind of...
0: I really like the bathtub scene to me is hilarious. She takes a bath. She somehow knows where he hides the Morton salt. So he co- he tries to come in because he thinks she's fallen. And Daryl Hannah, I don't think is the best actress. I'm sorry for Saturn for giving her the, the award, but I don't think she's the best actress. But she does this line read where she goes, I was shy. And he goes after the elevator and the bed and on top of the refrigerator which is also funny yeah i
1: wrote this line down you she's you were like, shy, hey, shy after the car and the elevator and the bedroom and on top of the refrigerator <laughs> and she goes yeah and then he just kind of like monologues she was shy and <laughs> yeah, walks, she shrugs his shoulders
0: i love that i love that they have this fountain which by the way on the poster for this movie is the two of them she's in an i love new york t-shirt the fountain is behind them of the mermaid fountain, mm-hmm. and behind that are the twin towers. Right. And it's like, oh, like, oh.
1: It's all nostalgia. Yeah, there, I, guess. I thought the same thing. The opening skyline of New York.
0: Yeah. Anytime
1: it's an old New York skyline and you see the twin towers, you're just like, oh. It's okay. just like you
0: kind of forget, yeah. and then you remember. Um. So sort of some bitter sweet when watching this movie in that way. But when she gives this mermaid fountains being torn down and she gives it to him and and on the one hand it takes up his whole
1: room it's like 10 feet in it's diameter 10 feet
0: wide. but on the other hand it's such a sweet gesture and she like sold her necklace or traded her necklace for this fountain yes. also when he gives her a gift and she's like she kisses the tiffany box she's like i love it
1: and yeah she, and he was like oh Op- open it's open it up it's inside because she thinks the box is the gift
0: and she's like such a child Such a child. So I feel like sometimes in romantic comedies, they try to have this conceit that the two characters are falling in love within three or four days and you don't buy it. And here I feel like it is believable because the chemistry between them is so great. Daryl Hannah isn't really the strongest actress, but I will say this. She is trying to be innocent, and and she's also not supposed to have a firm grasp on the language. So right. the fact that her lines are sometimes stilted, it's kind of works here. And also, I noticed from watching this again that She's not... He's really at the center of this, Tom Hanks. And yeah. Tom Hanks can carry any movie.
1: Yeah. Tom they Hanks can They also front the load the bucket. relationship by having them meet his children. Yeah. yeah. Right? So there's almost like that connection that's almost in the back of his mind, even though he doesn't connect it right away. Um, you know? And so I, I think that helps as well. But we
0: cut back and forth between the love between them and the love between the brothers. And this was another highlight for me that... John Candy and Tom Hanks have now kind of switched roles because Alan's fallen in love, and so he's not in the business right now. He's not taking care of it, and so,
1: Freddie's forced to run the business. But he's
0: doing these great deals because yeah. he's such a personable guy, and he's like, "We're going to be the produce supplier for all of the stores."
1: Yeah, and Tom like Hanks this, is like all the supermarket chain throughout the country. Right, yeah.
0: so he's expanded the business in this huge way, but they're having this talk while they play racquetball and while they're playing which is such an 80s thing to do i love racquetball but it was like really a big thing in the 80s to have racquetball clubs we had one behind our house but they're doing this while they play racquetball and he's smoking and then he takes a break to have a beer from a cooler he goes hey you want a beer and tom hanks like hitting the ball like what
1: yeah and he sits know. down and he goes, oh, my gosh. He goes, I'm beat. He goes, how long have we been playing? And Tom Hanks goes, five minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but both of them are worn out. So it's right. not, again, it's not like just a joke against John Candy. But I love that. I love this scene um, where she's crying because of Bonanza.
1: Yeah, because she thinks the guys are really shot and killed on the TV yes. show. Yes.
0: It's the saddest thing I ever saw. Um, yeah. I like,
1: you know, they do, They she goes shopping, which was kind of neat before. But I like, they do, you know, taking her to dinner. There's ice skating. So there, there's a number, kind of a montage almost, yeah. but slower activities and things that they're doing falling in love
0: and they're also very new york to go skating in rockefeller Rockefeller center Center, it's and and they do film it there you can tell right um the scene where she eats a lobster daryl hannah apparently cried because she was a vegetarian and hadn't really ever eaten meat or not a very long time (laughs) so they had to fill it with like fake like not actual lobster inside of it and make a fake lobster. It's for like her. a
1: toe fobster. Yeah,
0: something like that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And I um what did you think about the scenes with Eugene Levy, the cryptozoology? Well
1: the thing is this I love Eugene Levy.
0: I know. I great. think he's a
1: riot. And this is again his young Eugene Levy. He's early in his career. But um, he can play like neurotic Well, he could play paranoid well, and those are all pieces of this, but in the same time, Eugene Levy, I think Eugene Levy would have a really hard time playing a really evil antagonist. Mm. He's an antagonist in this, but you get, as it follows pieces of him, you understand that, like, he was brought up hearing these mermaid stories, he became a zoologist, he was trying to prove the mermaids exist. So he has, like, um, a benevolent reason behind trying to catch her. And when he finds out that they're, like, running tests on her and they're going to, like, dissect her mm-hmm. is when he, like, turns and then helps break her out of the yeah, captivity. Yeah, I think
0: he even says, uh, Tom Hanks, after they break her out, Tom Hanks is like, I didn't even like you when I first met you. And Eugene Levy goes, nobody likes yeah, me, when nobody they first meet me when they first meet me. Nobody loves <laughs> me when they first meet me. Because, but they, he is supposed to be, like, an orphan who's been taken in by this other guy. Yes. And they also really...
1: It's, it's sad it, at one point sad. he actually says to tom, tom hanks says something like he says like trust me and tom hanks is like i don't know if i could trust you i don't know you and eugene levy goes well if i had any friends you could ask them
0: yeah Aww. <laughs> and he's in academia in this very like toxic
1: yes which
0: sometimes my my workplace is not like this but some academics are like this where they're they're trying to climb over each other yes. to publish first. So nobody believes him. And then when he proves that there is a mermaid, he sprays water on her. And yeah. because it's an event that the president was at, there's tons of photographers.
1: After, um, but after three like unsuccessful attempts where he's beaten mercifully, physically, every time he fails...
0: By the same guy? Yeah. There's another blonde in the building, and he keeps throwing water on her. And her
1: and her husband keeps beating it. Like, he gets a broken arm, a yeah. broken tooth. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's really bad.
0: So that's the thing, too. You feel like he's already been punished for whatever crimes he did. But my point is that they're all climbing over each other. So by the time he proves that this mermaid is real, they're all like, you're a fake scientist. Yeah, they're in charge of the
1: program t- and not him. And then yes. they
0: take it over. Um... And we have this other funny scene where they go to break her out. Oh, also that Tom Hanks initially gets taken also with her and put in a tank because they're not sure about him. And he's
1: <laughs> So he's just standing naked in a tank of water.
0: Covering covering his privates with both hands, and he goes, I'm not a fish. I can't even say it without laughing. I keep telling you people I'm not a fish. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was laughing so hard. I And, totally and then the funny thing is, that. is
1: after they put her in the tank, and, of course, he's mad at her still because yeah. he just found out she was a mermaid. Yeah. Um, and they, they realize that they're not going to get anything between the two of them. The lead scientist turns to another guy and just deadpan goes, well, it's been 12 hours. We can probably take him out of the tank. I don't think he's a mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been standing naked in this tank of water up to his chin for 12 hours.
0: And also that there's a big thing about how his character can't swim. So that's also why he's just standing there like petrified and not wanting them to look at his whole self. I will say, too, that fight and the fight they have before she agrees to marry him you do feel the actual tension. Like, yes. you want them to get back together. And I I like that for a lot of romantic comedies, they have to keep the two people apart with artificial reasons. Like, oh, they had a misunderstanding about, mm. like he said he wanted to move in and she didn't hear him or some nonsense like that, or somebody has another girlfriend or something. This is a legitimate reason for them to be kept apart that she's from a totally different place and has this big secret and, you know,
1: and then not only that, but they fight, they separate and then it's rain pouring rain. Yeah. So he's trying to find her and she's huddled under a park bridge because she can't step in the rain or her feet turn into a tail.
0: Yes. Like the second they get
1: wet. So she's literally like, it's not only that their fight has separated them, literally nature has separated them at this point. That's
0: true. So, yeah, they're separated for two, you know, two really valid reasons. But it works in the movie. And even though, again, because they kind of saw each other as kids and had this love at first sight, they've only really been together for five days at this point. But you do feel like there's a a vested interest, right? Mm -hmm. But they go to break them out. Um, after that, when they're, when they're in the government facility, they go to break her out and they have this scene where Alan and Freddie are with the scientist and they're pretending to be Swedish and they have captions. So the guard goes, oh, I'm part Swedish. And he asks them a question in Swedish and they just go, oh, da, yeah, ja, sure. But they
1: caption
0: the yeah, yeah,
1: sure. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's such a great choice. Yes. It's such a great choice because there's another joke after that but the bigger joke to me is that they yes. caption them saying ya yeah, ya yeah, sure
1: which is And and you also have another character hilarious. development here on John Candy's part because mm-hmm. in between the breakout Before the breakout, John, you know, Tom Hanks is at work angry that he was lied to. He's mad at Madison. And John Candy kind of gives him a wake-up call and is like, you know, not everyone falls in love. He's like, you know, John Candy is a character, apparently he's been married multiple times. He's got all these women. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm probably never going to fall in love like that and you had love and so you see that character development in, in, in freddy but then also in the fact that freddy then sacrifices himself because he trades places with madison yes so they sneak her out and he stays in and has to deal with the army and everybody who come running in. and
0: again because he understands how strong their love is right. and that you can kind of tell again Like the Eugene Levy character, one of the reasons I think this movie works is because each of these characters is funny, but there's also a little bit of underlying sadness. Alan has had failed relationship, really doesn't know if he can be in love. He's never felt that before. Freddie is kind of a playboy, but also has never really taken the job seriously, never had a really serious relationship. Madison has this secret and doesn't... She's torn between two worlds. Dr. Cornbluth, he has this loneliness where he really doesn't have any friends or family, and, and then he bonds with them. So it's all of these people who are a little bit lost kind of coming together. And I always think... So One of the reasons that, like, a film to me feels magical is when you do have that blend. It's not just comedy. It's a little bit of underlying melancholy. Yes. And the sadness then brings the joy out even more. So if it were just a straight comedy, at the end you're happy for them, but you're not as happy as you are knowing, like, They made these choices they've never been in love before they're lonely people and they found each other and so that that to me is what's
1: great so then the escape is followed by your favorite car chase
0: Car chase this car chase i put actually it's a pretty good car chase <laughs> i put great scene probably because it didn't take too long
1: it did not take too long i hate car well, chases Manhattan's that are like not many. a very long island that's so true. you know
0: that's true you're just going the width of manhattan which isn't isn't that much but yeah they have a pretty intense chase scene. i also like that they carry it over into the water yes um and they are forced to make this decision kind of on the spur of the moment but with the realization again that she really can't live in this world they never going to leave her alone.
1: Yeah. And um, if he goes with her, he can't come back. Right. So they Until she gets magic.
0: Yes. We're just going to pretend like that movie didn't happen, I think. Um yeah, so it it's and then they have them in this again, beautiful Bahamas, very clearly not New York waters. Yes. <laughs> um the pollution of New York water with the also they'd have to go around like the Staten Island ferry and all
1: that. Right, right.
0: But they have this beautiful scene. Now at this point, there's this very cheesy, it's just not my type of music. Rita Coolidge sings, love came for me. One fine day love came for me and love was fair as fair can be. And it this... It's,
1: it's very... I almost felt like it didn't... It doesn't match the end of the movie. It doesn't
0: match the movie at all. It's
1: too... It's. A, I guess it's a sad, nice love song. But it, usually the end movies end on like an upbeat song.
0: Yeah. And, and that's is, what I expected. It's very, actually, it reminds <laughs> me if you've ever watched the cartoon version of Cinderella, there is a very similar song in that. The thing is, it's at this point, you know, it, my brother and I are watching Tom Hanks Fest, and it's a cheesy 80s song, and we turned it off. Well, this time, because Steve and I were taking notes, it's playing through, and there's a magical city, and i I go. What the heck? (laughs) so
1: loud. And I go, yeah, you don't... Like, I remember that vividly. Like, (laughs) that was part of the thing. I remember it ends as they see the lights of this underwater city. I legitimately have never seen that city before. And you get no explanation. There's no explanation. She never mentioned that she came from, like, Atlantis or (laughs) an underwater city or anything. And
0: what's funny is that earlier in my notes, I put, there's so much of Tom Hanks with his brother. I would have loved to have seen Madison with her family because it seems like through the whole movie in the other underwater scenes when she's young and when she's older it's just her swimming around yeah so they have this underwater city i've never no i've never seen this before and i've watched this movie probably 50 times and i had no idea that it ends yeah. with what basically is atlantis As you right just said. right
1: and i mean the whole thing is very adult version of little mermaid
0: yeah, it is, and right. it's actually before it, it's, they did. It's
1: before Little Mermaid, but not before the original story of Little Mermaid. Yeah, but which Little was much, Mermaid was long, you know, long before Little that.
0: Little Mermaid, the Hans Christian Andersen version, yes. ends with her becoming sea foam, and she can only become a mermaid again if children don't cry. So every time a child does something well, she becomes more of a mermaid, and every time a child cries, she becomes more seafoam. It's not like this at all. It's not like the Disney version right. at all. But, um, yeah, so that kind of, that's that wraps up the movie, right? Yeah. Any final thoughts before we do our, re, before we give it a score?
1: No, no. I think we kind of touched on everything. Um, you know, I did, I like the fact that it ends, it ends in an interesting way because you don't know what's going to happen. We have no understanding of her world, so we don't know how he's going to fit in, yeah. what's going to happen. It's just, he has made this huge sacrifice for love and then they're they ride off into the sunset, but the ocean equivalent. Right? Yeah. They ride off into the deep depths of the ocean. Um but it's kind
0: of it's to me it's just a beautiful ending.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. it is, yeah. So out of ten fish tales, what do you rate splash?
0: Look, the casting is perfect. Daryl Hannah is a beautiful if maybe little dumb mermaid <laughs> um well she's just learning english for the first she time learns I english
1: in six hours we she's shouldn't pretty smart. yeah
0: we shouldn't equate uh second language learning with intelligence because they're not equated but um the casting is perfect eugene levy john candy daryl hannah Tom Hanks, this is a powerhouse cast. You have Ron Howard directing, and Ron Howard knows how to pull out those emotional moments. He understands the nuances that you need for a comedy like this to feel magical. To me, other than the New York skyline and the fact that they, Bloomingdale's is apparently the center of New York life with tons of people there um, and watching Richard Simmons. Are there a couple dated references like that? Yes, but that just adds to the nostalgia. I think that this holds up and I agree with the Rotten Tomatoes critics. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. This is a, one of the most, It's a. it's almost a perfect movie. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's... It's it's very good, I'm gonna say that. It has as you said, it's very charismatic performances by all the actors. It has a very strong cast and that fits very well with Ron Howard. Ron yeah. Howard has a very unobtrusive directorial style. Yeah. Where he kinda allows things to play and especially when you have actors that can hold their own. Mm-hmm. Now Tom Hanks is very young in this I mean it's he's early he's on in his but he's early on in his acting his yeah. movie acting career. But you know, you have people like John Candy, you have people like Eugene Levy who is was already doing comedy. And so yeah, I just think I think it was really well done. I, there was a few things that we we picked on a little bit, but well, I would give it I don't know if I can go ten fish tails. Mm. But I will. I will give it nine fishtails.
0: Okay, and we we learned this with Alf. We don't split. We're not going to do nine and a half fishtails.
1: Well, if we if we'll we do, do half a mermaid, a min- is it like no? Is it nine fishtails and then a woman half? No,
0: no. We're, we'll say we'll say nine fishtails and a minnow. How's that? Okay. <laughs> but it's basically yeah, nine and a half out of ten, and five out of five.
1: Five out of five, Fishtails for, for Swedish Fish. This
0: was a good week. I have to say, look, after we watched, the last movie we watched was our bonus episode with Leprechaun.
1: If you mm. haven't heard it, go back and listen to it.
0: But that was a hard movie. the The episode is fun to we, listen we to. We definitely
1: so that was a good one to...
0: But this one, we're we're really kind of on the same page, and um, you can find again the links for Splash. It really is a great movie, and we have very differing tastes sometimes. So if we're pretty much on the same page, nine and a half out of ten. And, and with it, it and
1: Disney Plus now a little bit it has been edited very very slightly this is a movie you could watch if you have children you could watch it with kids yeah definitely especially because like we're being picky and we're saying like oh well this is kind of adult and there's sex scenes but this is in, in 1984 so if you're looking at yeah. today your kids would see worse things on network TV and
0: honestly, than they're
1: going to see in this they movie they
0: never actually <laughs> say that they have sex he says they do not
1: it's implied
0: it, it's implied yes. but it's never actually shown they don't show anything more than kissing and holding hands yeah. I think you definitely could i mean if you want to be careful maybe eight 9, 10, yeah that age range with parents in them but the way it's been edited it's a great family film it's a wonderful movie it definitely holds up highly recommend it highly highly recommend it so check out our website stopruiningmychildhood.com you can find links for the movie as well as the sequel which I don't recommend as much but it is kind of funny if you watch a couple minutes of it we also have links to buy Swedish Fish in case you don't have them in your convenience store or movie theater or grocery store store. and um, I think that's it for this week, next week we have Alvin and the Chipmunks so we're starting our cycle again with a cartoon and until then my name is Megan and I'm Steve thanks so much for listening and have a great day you okay.